0: Web, and this is my co-host Mike. Right before we started recording, I was frantically looking for my USB-C adapter to plug in my microphone. I happened to come across a pile of Nintendo Switch, not games, but uh, the cases. Now, I'm a collector, I'm sure. Uh, some of <laughs> you listening, if, if you're hardcore into films, you're collectors. And while I keep my cartridges in my Nintendo Switch case... I need the actual physical boxes. so if I ever want to sell them or if I want to display them, I can have them. Now, I happen to come across a couple of them. <laughs> not only are the boxes not closed as they normally are because I don't open up the you know a Nintendo Switch game case and then leave it on the floor. nor do I take out the artwork that goes inside those cases. And I, sure enough, happened to find my Street Fighter 35th Anniversary Collection Nintendo Switch, Mm. Uh, the case, with the art taken out, it crumpled up in a corner, and I got so mad.
1: Sounds like you have a little critic in your house that (laughs) said, well, this is junk. (laughs) No fighting allowed.
0: No street fighting especially. (laughs) And I quickly run down to my wife Because I'm sure it happened on her watch (laughs) (laughs) I've got the crumpled up artwork in one hand The empty case in the other And all I can muster out is Please watch her Just please watch her (sighs) Yeah,
1: okay, so I have... Well, actually, my wife had an experience like that this week. yeah, you know, we got a new dog a few months ago, and he's getting more and more comfortable in the house. So, like when we f- first got him he's he's a pit bull, so we were uh, kind of intimidated, and he's a rescue, so we don't really know his criminal record uh, <laughs> other than he intimidated someone enough to, <laughs> to put him in in dog prison. But he's been relatively chill. He doesn't I'm trying to put it in like sports talk he's like a a draft prospect who has all the tools and like the physical stature, but they're like, if he could just figure out how to put all those tools together, if he could just, because he's a wrecking ball of a dog and that when he jumps uh, into your lap, he just sprawls with his, all of his body weight going for your face, going for your chest. What, I mean, it just, he's just going to make the leap and then whatever happens happens. Like, so while it's not one-to-one, Uh, I could definitely see like sort of that childlike wonder in him where it's like, wow, he just pick himself back up. Whereas I, as an old man, I'm like, man, that's going to hurt. Like you have to watch how you plant your, your feet. You know, (laughs) something may pop. (laughs) So there have been some uh, incidents, not with any of my, uh, he's not yet adept enough to open a criterion case and then chew up (laughs) the artwork, (laughs) but he he did knock over a lamp the other day. Uh, It was very, upsetting uh to my wife and it's things like this so like you're talking about your Nintendo Switch cases and she's talking about the this lamp that is, is knocked over uh this is you know this is going to be great leading into our Christmas month we're not doing a christmas story but those were the thoughts that were running through both mine and my wife's head where it's like she's cradling this broken lamp and this poor dog doesn't know what he's done he's just like jumped off a chair and ran into it when you're standing outside of of the thing when it's not your thing it's really easy to be dismissive of them as just some sort of object. Like, so putting myself in your wife's shoes, it's like, well, you still have the games that you play. So, those are fine. But there is a connection we make with physical things. And that's how I want to lead into kind of this trilogy because there was like a very pointed reason that I picked this very unsuccessful podcast trilogy that no, <laughs> no one is listening to this month. We'll, we'll blame the election. We'll go with that, uh that, that people have more important matters to worry about, and maybe they'll come back to this, hopefully, and enjoy themselves. But I knew this was going to wrap up uh two days before uh Black Friday, one day before Thanksgiving, and this is sort of the kickoff of – Christmas, like as a, uh, you know, an entire season of acquiring things and usually things that we don't need because gifts by their very nature are meant to be fun. Like, you know, not everyone's my dad who's always asking for socks for Christmas. And when asked why it's, he says, because I could always use another pair of socks. I wear them every day. That's a very practical reason. So I wanted to have this trilogy because you and I as collectors and in particular you webb 'Cause you have a <laughs> this is gonna be like a podcast intervention of sorts. <laughs> where I want to kind of put it subconsciously in your mind where you have characters, whether they be tangible products, uh physical spaces like in Hearts Beat Loud, or or even uh a marriage, uh, a best friend in Ghost World, a marriage and everything must go, uh and a, a loved one that's deceased in Hearts Beat Loud. It's all about people having to let things go and take that next step forward. So a little more serious than Nintendo Switch cases, but I want—I also don't want to be dismissive of that because I saw, you know, how upset my wife was, where she's like, yeah, know, these these things that we buy that take up like our physical space—they do become part of your your home and an, an extension of yourself. You've surrounded yourself with something that you love, and so that's that's gonna be my first question to you: Do you think these three work sort of in concert as a trilogy of people? They're successfully able to let things go and move forward. We know you hate Ghost World. I think that's also <laughs> the blame for the numbers. Because you came out of the gate saying this movie stinks.
0: <laughs> no, that's not what I said at all. It's only the impression that I gave. But that's what I wanted to start with, with our, our wonderful poor Seymour. Uh, he he doesn't ultimately take that next step forward. He's still very even though he's very aware of himself. And the problem, and what he talks about, how he's like, I don't, I wouldn't want to know somebody like me. The old Woody Allen quote: I'd never want to be a part of a club that would allow someone like me as a member. And so I feel like that's where he is. And and now uh, he, no one does.
1: You know? <laughs> no one wants to be in that club.
0: <laughs> and and Seymour can't quite make that jump. And and even I feel like even as he tries to a leap of faith almost with two different ladies, he finds himself in a worse position than he did before all of this.
1: It is interesting because if you go back and listen, which a lot of you haven't, I'm chiding you right now on our Ghost World episode, you and I spent a lot of time talking about poor Seymour when really the film is about these two girls and what they let go. And he, unfortunately, he, (laughs) he is an innocent, I guess innocent maybe is stretching it, but he is a bystander. Uh, who has steamrolled uh, over in this young girl's quest uh, to figure out what her next step is and i think we're all thankful that uh, this doesn't turn into you know a woody allen type situation where he, <laughs> poor seymour is the obvious next step for a, a recent high school graduate
0: yeah uh, well if you want to you're, you're right we did spend a lot of time on seymour and we are i think even now i guess that's because who we kind of gravitate toward i mean it's good that i guess we can't identify with this teenage girl It's probably I guess healthy but from where she's coming from I guess what she needs to let go are all these notions that somebody has the correct plan for her only she really does and it's a good thing that she's kind of paving her own way she doesn't think that plan a b or c of the 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 things that she's seen over the years. Like she doesn't have to pick any specific one. She can kind of forge her own path. And I think that's very important. So she does ultimately have to let go of these preconceptions.
1: Well, also in, uh, everything must go Nick. We never actually meet the wife has just left him. We just see the remnants of that relationship manifested through all the shit that he sort of collected and put in this house that they shared together um, and we actually, we don't, do we ever see him actually in the house
0: itself or is it just the pool? Yeah. That's the only indoor scene I can recall. I don't think we ever see him inside that house. We, you know, what's funny is we, I don't know if we see him inside any house cause he does creep around. He's looking into other people's houses and he can never physically get himself inside, uh, a home essentially, because that's ultimately what he's missing. He's not missing a house. He's all, well, yes, he is. But he's more importantly missing a home. Another more abstract concept, I guess.
1: Do you think he revels at all uh, in this film as being uh, the literal outsider again in the neighborhood? Because he has a sequence with Rebecca Hall where he says, you know, he says, I'm no different than the rest of you. It's just, you all can physically see me out in this space. You can see all of my uh, flaws and missteps like sort of put out um, as this kind of circus show, this, this side act in their neighborhood. And it was interesting watching this in conjunction the same month with ghost world, where as a teenager, Enid is going out of her way to express distance from her parents, uh, even from her peer group in high school, like any, anytime she can uh, make some sort of comment uh statement, changing her hair color, trying a new look, uh, getting, getting very, i tell you what, it was the most web-like scene I can imagine. I didn't know you as a teenager, but, uh, when she decides to go with a punk look for a day and then people are immediately are shitting on her for it not being like the, like they're misreading the time period that she's trying to present to them, which she finds <laughs> <laughs> totally uncool and her version is cool. And so, the, you know, she immediately goes home as like, that didn't work, you know, onto, onto the next thing. Uh, but dramatically different from a middle-aged man who really, like, she is seeking to be shaken out of this kind of boring existence, as most teenagers are, uh, where Wolf Ferrell's character really has to be pulled out of it physically and dragged uh, into some sort of uh, self-realization of just how stuck he is uh, and deeply unsatisfied, which uh, leads us to, I think, the film you probably would want to talk about the most. although considering the uh, <laughs> the assault on your Switch collection that your daughter <laughs> committed today, maybe you're not feeling <laughs> like a father-daughter movie retread. You were very high on it when we talked about it, but now in the wrap-up show, I'm worried that you're going to be like, you know what, I've got problems with this daughter character. I <laughs> no, no.
0: I- I'm still very high on it. And honestly, I think that's all it took. All it took was me telling you taking you through my emotional arc of that story to take that step back and realize how fucking stupid it all is.
1: I thought that coming in, it felt like this was actually a pretty good combination of a trilogy because what we're getting with the two different perspectives uh, with with age and demographic and Ghost World and Everything Must Go is combined into something far less cynical and, and bitter. And I don't think that Ghost World or Everything Must Go are generally cynical, bitter films, but certainly the two characters – uh, can't be uh, for long stretches. In particular, Will Ferrell's character and Everything Must Go, who is uh, He's not even a recovering alcoholic at the, the point that we're seeing him in the film. It's just maybe he's going to take the step to become that uh, someday. But Hearts Beat Loud, uh, they switch it, as we talked about in the episode, where the father is still the dreamer, and it's his teenage daughter that's the one that's bringing the practical side of this, of this this band that is aptly titled... Uh, We are not a band, because I think that's her her personal anthem (laughs) to her father as a reminder. (laughs) This is not a thing that we're doing, even though it's actually actually happening. And because of that, because of the melding of the two different uh, viewpoints, it's perhaps the most healthiest look at letting some stuff uh, go and moving forward, uh, because you have someone doing it with you. Whereas uh, in the first two films, uh, they're pretty much... Characters who have to lose, they they gain some other viewpoints, but for them to take the next step, they're going to have to do it alone. And in Hearts Beat Loud, that's not the case. It's actually a father and daughter sharing two different views of basically how they can be a part of each other's world that is healthy because there's some pushback. Like I said in that episode, they don't have that thing you do moment where. They they go on the West Coast tour or anything. They don't have Tom Hanks and, and sunglasses coming and take them on a bus somewhere. But they do, you know, they do manage to continue to create things together. And that's definitely not the endings of the first two films. Actually, like especially with Ghost World, we don't really even know uh, what's to become of Enid.
0: I think it's because our protagonist for Ghost World and Everything Must Go, both of them are going. You're right; they're going through these emotional turmoils alone and you've got that like i said like i mentioned in heartspeed speed lab that one event the death of sam's mom that event affects both of them i think very differently and they both are able to kind of go through that change together and really if you want to if you want to tack on like you've got uh, the girlfriend character as well and she helps overcome uh, the grief and then you have uh, Nick Offerman's character, who has a couple. You know, you've got the Ted Danson. You've got the wonderful Tony Collette. So there are these odd safety nets for those characters. Whereas with Enid, she is extremely kind of isolated. Even her best friend is like kind of moving into her own path. And with Nick, and everything must go. He also doesn't really have anybody who he can share that trauma with, the, the, the alcoholism, the lack of a marriage, and literal lack of a house. Anyone and knew home.
1: he lashes out. The Rebecca Hall character is the next-door neighbor, and he lashes out at her. He is, for the most part, uh, even though he comes around uh, to this kid who's helping him sell his possessions, mostly I would say the cantankerous old man who, like... Kind of likes having a kid around that he can just spout off, <laughs> kind of his his rants uh, a little bit, or his a little bit of his bitterness can just uh, just wash over uh, this kid because he knows that he's not got an equal that's going to push back on him who's gone through adult problems. Uh, I I would say with hearts beat loud that even though it's so sweet, they do have some of those characters come into the Nick Offermans uh, into his world with Tony Collette who is his landlord but also like really kind of respects uh the business he's created. She she likes that environment. She feels like he's bringing something to that community uh and she's even so much that she makes him a business proposition to keep him doing that, but he doesn't feel like anyone anyone who is even supporting him is truly supporting uh what he wants to do. So, I mean he is the ultimate dreamer in that regard, because i I said in that episode I, I mentioned High Fidelity that I think most music fans would think what he 's got is a dream unto itself it's a cool gig, like he has a cool record shop that's his, and yeah you know, when we when we open the film, he can't he still is obsessed with music, but he can 't even be bothered to engage the the lone customer in the store, he would rather just be watching a YouTube video of someone else playing music, which Believe me, I understand. I've worked retail before and that would be nice too. But, you know, if you have a fellow music fan in there, maybe you'd like to talk to him. I I don't know. Like, uh, how, you know, Webb, you and I probably don't have that in our, uh, respective, uh, workplaces where we can just launch into, uh, this Will Ferrell movie from 2010 and expect anybody to, (laughs) we can't expect any goddamn listeners to do the same either. They're killing us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I remember August of last year. And I was telling everybody, I was like, you guys got to go see this movie, Parasite. It's so good. It's only playing in these specific areas, but it's worth going to see. You know, fast forward a month after uh, Parasite has won all those Oscars, then I get people asking me, hey, have you seen this movie, Parasite? And I'm just like, God damn. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the kind of environment that I get, because yeah, um, it's just, it's hard to be ahead of the curve because nobody really cares. And I cannot talk movies. Can you talk to, can you talk movies at work?
1: I actually just kind of tune it out. Like, even when people try to talk movies with me, like, but you know, it's usually stuff that I I don't have any interest in. You know, it's to me, which I mean, I'm saying that when we're, as I I keep making fun of, we're including a forgotten Will Ferrell dramedy in this mix. Um, but maybe my coworkers would get off their lazy asses and produce a podcast about their stuff. T- I would actually give that a listen. If they said, yeah. hey, I'm not going to talk to you about this straight-to-streaming uh, uh, movie that I watched uh, that has a bunch of no-names. But I did produce a half-hour conversation on it. If they just were that bold, yeah, <laughs> I would I would give it a play. I don't know if I'd finish it, but I'd be like, all right, cool.
0: You have to also kind of understand our mindset. and I'm I'm very interested in looking back at these three films and looking at maybe the main characters and the things that they might be going through or what they're thinking about when they make certain decisions. I've been so upset that I can't make up my mind if I'm going to purchase Money Monster on Voodoo or not. (laughs) It's only $5. But I've been stressing it all day. I think I'm just going to do it. (laughs) <laughs> something that i always try to live my life by is you, you you regret the things that you do don't regret the things you don't do you know i i, I remember being introduced to that concept uh, in high school and I, it always it stuck with me so that's where we're coming from that's how in love we are with what we do in our free time that it kind of consumes us and i'm i, I don't know if you you've been in that exact same situation but i'm certain that that's the level of commitment that you have Towards this what other people might call hobby, and I really feel like it's more than that for us, I
1: think with movies in particular, and i, I don't know where that that started, you know the practical side of it, especially you'd ask my wife is um yeah maybe 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 we should let uh, a lot of this stuff <laughs> go because there's far too many films that are still shrink wrapped that clearly you did not need at that moment uh but it's it's a comfort that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of that, uh, of choice in that regard. That's, that's one thing that I like about the, the sort of streaming explosion. And also kind of scares me as far as, uh, you know, my younger brother, he'll watch a lot of movies. And I guess I, it would probably be fair to say that about my coworkers as well. You get a lot of, I'm sure you, you do as well. A lot of the, is it on Netflix? And if it's not on Netflix, then it doesn't exist, which kind of terrifies me. But I, I like, there's a comfort to me of being surrounded, either in physical form or digital, if I have access to things that I can move. And you know, that's going back to the premise of the show, that I can move from um this this teenage angst that I adore and uh Terry, uh I can't remember how we were what were we were calling him, Zwygoff or Zweigoff. I think Zwygoff is <laughs> what we decided. I think we were trying to make him more <laughs> villainous or you know, heroic in some way. I can go back to Ghost World and then uh, that leads me to thinking about this forgotten Will Ferrell film. And then to top it all off, I want to go to this father daughter love story, this shared love of music and creation. There's a comfort for me that all of these things, whether or not they're connected by uh, individual filmmakers or actors or not, that I can be surrounded by a mood. And I, I feel like more people probably lean this way. I hope in music, I think historically, that's been more common that that people like to just surround themselves with, with music at home and to move from one thing to the next based on their, on their mood. I don't know if streaming has affected that in the same ways it has movies, but it, it does concern me uh, that people don't, I guess don't treat the form like that. It's just whatever, whatever square is the, the newest one <laughs> or yeah. one of the four or five in the box. Uh, they watch like, you know, the some of the, the like the really trendy stuff, uh like that Tiger King thing on Netflix earlier this year, which feels oh. like ages ago. Uh You know, I I've never I've not seen one second of this, but I'm Same. aware that this was something that everyone talked about. That's the part of anyway. I started this conversation saying, "Hey, should web should you and I check ourselves? Because there's a lot of a lot of Black Friday deals, mm-hmm. and goddamn it, iTunes is having a a massive sale right now, which thankfully." You point out to me that one of the films we're featuring next month uh was four ninety nine, so timely. Appreciate that, Apple. Uh I'm not above it, but I've kinda come around. Because at the start of this month I thought this should just be a referendum on <laughs> web and mic. <Mike." laughs> <laughs> and like needing less stuff, less clutter in their headspace, in their physical space. But now I'm wondering if we can justify it as like just a, a, a true sort of expression of just wanting to be in it. Like the things we love, we want to be surrounded by it. It's not just a passive, I don't want to think about things. Uh, the world is, is hectic and crazy, in particularly this year. Uh, so just put on anything for two hours, just a screen that has moving images, and that's fine. Because uh, most of the conversations I have at work, have you seen this? I'm like, no, I've never heard of it. It was any good. It was pretty good. <laughs> That's the podcast. That's it. That was the podcast. And you know, right. maybe there's some people listening to this right now they are like you could you could take some pointers from those guys' gravity <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, I think what's fascinating about Hearts Beat Loud is unlike the previous two films of our trilogy this month, it's not just about, oh, these are the things that we love and maybe these are the things that we define us, but it's also these are the things that we love and define us and now we're going to enter that world and create something and kind of give back as either an homage or it has inspired us enough to create our own version of what we love. And that's why I think the end of that movie is so powerful, because even though she clearly did not want to be in a band, she doesn't think that this is what is healthy for her. And and (laughs) she wants those, you know, marketable skills. But she still ends up doing it because she knows how kind of meaningful it is ultimately. And it's connection to her mother and ultimately also connection to her father. And so I think that's a really great way to kind of end this trilogy. And and we're going on kind of our own little emotional arc uh, through this trilogy. And so the more I think about it, the more this really does work. I think also one of the things that you mentioned is choice One of the most irksome things about Netflix and kind of any of these streaming services is somebody opens them up and like, oh, you know what? I want to watch this. And you type it in and it's not available. But you always get suggestions. Well, you might like this. So don't worry about what you want. (laughs) Worry about what we have to offer and just stick with us. Don't worry about it.
1: I mean, yeah, obviously they, they, they don't want to keep striking out with someone because yeah. that puts <laughs> the put in their head. They're like, well, why the fuck do I pay $15 a month for this? They don't have anything. <laughs> and certainly if you're talking about Netflix, uh, that is happening with uh, increasing regularity based on how it was when studios didn't care about streaming rights. Just give it yeah. to Netflix. Oh, it's just an extra check that we're accepting. But I, I know what you mean because it – uh, oftentimes the algorithm is not that great, which I don't know. Maybe we get, to, maybe we'll get an iTunes review where someone's like, uh, "Right back at you, Mike and Webb <laughs> Like, like <laughs> what, what are these trilogies you're coming up with? But yeah, it is this weird, uh, fair and balanced. Not to get too political, uh, using their taglines or both sidesism of like, well, it's you know, it's all really the same thing. Like you're, you're looking for uh, the Truman Show, uh, liar, liar. Just as good. <laughs> right? Same thing. like Same exact thing. It's got Jim Carrey. He's making a
0: face. There you go. Uh, that <laughs> is troubling. <laughs> right. And then the things that you get recommended, it's like, oh, you noticed you liked Happy Gilmore. You might like Jack and Jill. Fuck you. No, I won't. <laughs> they don't understand the complexity of Adam Sandler's career. Uh, I, I want to live in a world where I can type something into Netflix. And that looks like, ah, oh, we don't have it. It's over on HBO though. We'll try again tomorrow. That be nice? That's the one. Yeah.